Welcome back to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Denise. I'm Keith. And I'm Adam. On this episode, we'll be discussing Redacted, the Doctor Who BBC Sounds audio drama podcast uh, series that's uh, just recently finished. Just a warning before we start, we'll be talking about the whole story, so there'll be spoilers if you haven't listened to it or not listened to it all yet. So hopefully you've uh, you've gone if you haven't <laughs> if you haven't listened to it. <laughs> so this is like in some ways a very modern story. It tackles a lot of really up to date issues and things like that. And then in another way, it's a weekly serialized Doctor Who story like we used to get in the last century, isn't it? it which was a nice. Uh, it felt sort of charmingly retro like that Uh, how how did you listen to it did you listen to it weekly or all in one go I did weekly I work every Sunday so I listened to it when I got home and because I have this ruthless thing about owning everything I put my memo recorder next to my speakers and I recorded it like we used to do in the (laughs) 1970s and 80s off the uh, as I did it so uh, I was wonderfully retro doing it yeah Yeah, and then I sent the memo to myself and I'm was even debating about putting them on CDs, but I haven't quite got that far yet. But, uh, yep, I made a recording. I listened to it at the time. It was marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, is old school. That's like, um, I forget, forget the guy's name that, that did all those recordings in the 60s, uh, the reason why we've got them. Is it somebody strong? Yes. Graham Strong? Graham, yeah, yes. Graham Strong, yeah. The, uh, the modern Graham Strong. <laughs> How about you, Denise? <laughs> Um, well, I was listening to it. Um, I wasn't even sure what day it originally came out, but I mean, Saturday mornings is my, or Saturday when I'm doing my gardening is listening to the um, Friday night comedy podcast. And then I'd listen to Redacted as well when there was a new episode for me to listen to. So I was putting tree oil onto fences and things like that while. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, I, well, yeah, I have that, like, certain big finishes that are really memorable I associate with places because I, I listen to it while I'm walking the dog sometimes. There's some places when I go back to and, and um, a yeah. scene will pop into my head uh, that I've been picturing while I've been listening to it. Yes. Yes, and when I've got a flight, I always like to have an audio of a missing story to listen to on the flight, so um, <laughs> <laughs> that that as well oh that's the time I was listening to Galaxy 4 on my way over and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the faceless ones though <laughs> 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 all time <fine>. yeah <laughs> um, and Adam I listen to it uh, weekly usually on my commute usually on my commute into work um, usually Monday or Tuesday morning because it's 20 minutes which is slightly shorter than my commute so it was a nice listen yeah they're nice bite-sized episodes aren't they um yes the last episode was longer yeah that was uh yeah that's that's the one with Jodie Whittaker isn't it so you've got (laughs) the 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 biggest name yeah I I was way behind because uh to listen to other stuff for the podcast like we did the hornet's nest one and I think the ninth Doctor Adventures one. So I just listened to this in two chunks while I was walking the dog. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was good because I got like the first five episodes one morning, second five the next morning. So it was good to 
let it all flow together a bit like that as well. Greyhound trap one over. Uh, so we've got our three main characters, who are Cleo, Abby, and Shauna. Uh, they're very uh, kind of sort of relatable characters, I think. With uh, well, because really, they've got a podcast, maybe that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> 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 to, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, they're just they are people. Yeah, yeah, trying to uh, come up with ideas for podcasts and put them out and build an audience and <laughs> and so on like that. Uh, but yeah, I think it quickly becomes apparent that Cleo is, is the main character. Uh, early on, you do get scenes from the point of view of Abby as well, like when she goes to meet people. But then towards the end, it is is purely all Cleo's point of view, isn't it? I think um, the last few episodes, there aren't any scenes without her in. Yes, and um, wasn't um, Charlie Craggs really, really excellent in that? Yeah. IMDb, and it seems to be her first role. Right. The character was actually based on her. There was an interview with the uh, producer, and when Juno Dawson was sort of like discussing casting, they said, "Well, actually, I've based it on this actual person." So they they got her into audition because they thought, "Well, if it's based on her, she should have a stab at doing it." And uh, but it's, uh, yeah, it was her first ever acting uh, role. And uh, and to be honest, I mean, I've heard considerably worse uh, performances from uh, professional actors. So uh, yeah, she was very good. Yeah, quite naturalistic and, and uh, definitely, and yeah. I loved her. Is and even in adversity, even when she was scared, she was still funny and she was still solid. And there were times when she was just absolutely impressed me so much. And I think I'm going to take a leaf out of Cleo's book. Could learn a lot from her. Yeah. I, I did think Babe was going to become the new Benny, though, because that was said an awful lot. If you had a, a Babe drinking game, I think you'd be fairly plastered by about episode six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, her, her story is quite interesting about the uh, dad going missing when she was young and, the, and then sort of relationship with her mum and her brother. Um, because it was quite interesting thing early on when the her brother's talking about is it his boss I think has gone missing and they immediately dismiss it and say oh he's ran off with another woman um, but she finds that really hard to believe about her own dad obviously like subconsciously I suppose she, she knows that there is more to it um, but yeah I thought, I thought that was quite interesting that she, she found it easy to believe about somebody else that she didn't really know and then and then with her dad it was uh, there was much more uh, much more to it from her point of view. Well, it's um, it's a very RTD approach, isn't it? And because you you made the comparison rightly to like the classic series with like the ten part structure, but in some ways it's a real I don't say throwback, but it, it there's a lot of RTD references and that mm-hmm. kind of that that writing approach of like really tying it into the character's emotional life and past. It's yeah, it's something we don't haven't seen so much of it. I think in recent years in Doctor Who, so it was kind of comforting almost to hear it again. And the suppressed memory is basically love of monsters, isn't it? I mean, from a dead mother to a dead father. No, oh, absolutely. I, I was expecting it to be a Dalek for some reason that that take that, that, that taken her dad. I don't know why. I was just really expecting it to be a Dalek and was quite surprised when it wasn't. In the and that un- scene in the museum, hadn't you? Well, in the uh, unit store where she was sort of like got wistful up over a Dalek. So. Yeah, that was 
that was odd, wasn't it? It's, it? I felt like that was going to be more relevant, the fact that she, she had that reaction to the Dalek without recognising it. But I take it that is a reference to the stolen Earth. or, or That's what I thought. Yeah. But then um, Amy can't remember the stolen Earth, can she? Because the universe was reset, so... Is that? <laughs> I lose track. Just because it's a crack in the wall, yeah. Hang on, let, let me get the continuity flow chart out. Give me a second. <laughs> well, I thought nobody could remember the stolen Earth anymore. I thought the reason that nobody could remember was because um, the the universe had reset. I didn't realize it was just Amy that uh, they couldn't remember it. But I suppose that, yeah, that makes sense because of her parents disappearing into it and that kind of thing. And presumably a new year's two years ago, she saw the Daleks kill the prime minister on national television, so... That's true, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She must be aware of them. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't hadn't thought about that, that it's uh, a good point. (laughs) Where are the Daleks when you need them? (laughs) 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 very much so and then um, as you say about the other Russell T Davis reference being uh, one of the many touch points is that Cleo grew up on the Powell estate uh, same as Rose and um, a new Sally Salter who I think is is mentioned in the Rose novelisation that that Russell T Davis wrote so that's quite a deep cut isn't it really it's not not even from the TV show It's, it's from the from the target book is is it a deeper cut than the weeping angels episode apparently being basically a sequel to a an app game that came out a couple of years ago yes yeah, so this is the lonely assassins game which i have had on my phone since release and still not played um i saw somebody uh, saw the, the company tweeting that it was the anniversary of its release and I thought I still uh, still yet to open that. I d- it's supposed to be really good, and yeah, it's because it's got Larry Nightingale in it as a character with the with the actor reprising the role for that as well. Well, I just want to know where where's my Destiny of the Doctors sequel? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's that. That's one of many cameos from. Well, they're all from the new series, aren't they? Uh, from the 21st century series. Kind of uh, passed out one one per episode. Uh, so we've got uh, Kate Stewart. And yeah, the unit stuff's quite interesting. The, the interview in the Doctor Who magazine, uh, it talks about how... Because they've been writing this since 2019. And then uh, in the wake of the... Um, George Floyd murder and that kind of thing. They they talked about how they were going to handle unit, um, and I think that is interesting. The way they're not the benevolent uh, kind of organization that they're usually portrayed as in Doctor Who. You've got uh, especially the the male characters are kind of a bit more trigger happy and 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 rough, aren't they? It's uh, it is a different slant on them. I thought. Yeah, I think Unit works really well when there's a little bit of edge to them. Like, the Doctor, you know, will work with them, but there's a sense that he doesn't... He, he's he's cautious about them. So I, I thought it was a really good really good betrayal. And it was probably one of the few times Kate Stewart has appeared and not mentioned her father, or at least not mentioned him every other five minutes. So that, that's quite good, I thought. She can't remember him. 
But if you did forget anybody connected with the doctor, the brigadier would vanish very quickly, wouldn't he? Because he was like... We're, get, we're getting some very redacted, like, uh, sound effects there. We are. You broke my pussycat up. Oh, no. <laughs> we're all still here, though, right? It's a Sorry, baby boy. We should all just disappear one at a time, shouldn't we? Yeah, <laughs> just not mention it. Yeah, I've... I have no recollection of who was left yet. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought of that before we started. That would have been uh, that would have been fun. Yeah. I can't I th- see Adam now, so that's getting sinister. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's um, a slightly different take with with Osgood as well. Well, I suppose first of all, we don't know which Osgood the the characters meet. Um, and there's no reference to there being two Osgoods, so I thought the implication being that the other one had disappeared and they couldn't remember mm. her. And there's only one Osgood box as well. Yeah. So that disappeared with the other with the other Osgood. Yeah, it's it's slightly frustrating for me because I I really like Osgood. I just feel like you know she's there such an interesting character like by the last time we saw, saw them on screen but the spin-off stuff never really picks up on that it always kind of reverts to there just being the one which is a real shame because like I said I think she's a really interesting character and one, one who developed really in, in a really interesting way and here it was a bit like you know she was the, the trouble with having your character disappear is that she just literally vanishes from the narrative which is understandable but also a little bit frustrating yeah, and it's kind of off, not off screen, but but it's not shown, is it? Abby just turns up and says, yeah, Osgood's disappeared now. I wondered what she was wearing, if she has no recollection or connection with the Doctor. Because <laughs> we've never seen her without some mm. element of, of cosplay, have we? Well, Maybe she... if that's what she's got in her wardrobe, what's she going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she had all the clothing, but was like, "Why do I have so all these stupid clothing?" <laughs> yeah. What's with this scarf? Question mark pullover. Why would I have that? <laughs> her her relationship with Abby was interesting as well because they were quite flirtatious, weren't they? Mm. Yes, they were. But yes, it was interesting to see because it created a great deal of conflict between Abby and Shauna and Cleo, but. Uh, she was actually charmed by Osgood, who was doing her best to be honest. Um, I mean, UNIT were in a very strange situation there because they had no control. And um, as they say at the end of the episode, I think, recruits, it's just like, we're in control now because we know more than you do because we can remember the do- I can remember the doctor mm-hmm. and... You can't, and you've got no idea what's going on. You've got the weapons, you've got the black archive, and you've got no idea what it is. And uh, do you notice how many items they had down there, and how many were missing? Yeah, that was uh, that. That was a, a nice nod, wasn't it? Ninety-seven <laughs> missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. So, yeah, that yeah, completely there's... passed me by until that was pointed out. So I missed that entirely until I actually heard somebody just, um, say, "Oh, that was good." I thought, oh, of course, but no, I, I missed that one. So there are lots of lovely little moments in there. For something that was supposed to be sort of introducing. 
Why, why is that happening? It's going to seem like we've, it's going to seem like we've done it as a sound effect, as a as a homage, and it's we're genuinely getting interference. So it, I was saying, yeah, for something that was supposed to be introducing sort of like new people to audio drama and to be sort of like different from Big Finish and have it sort of like in little installments, and they were aiming for sort of like for young women. It was an awful lot of continuity in it, which which I hope hasn't come in. I sort of like follow it straight away, but did it sort of like put people off thinking, do I need to know this? I mean, I felt it got stuck a little bit in a kind of loop of, oh, do you remember this episode? Hey, here's this character from this episode. Mm. Let's have a chat. Oh, they vanished. I, I mean, I like I said, I really overall enjoyed this, but I got a bit frustrated kind of the midpoint. It was almost a bit like, you know, those Netflix series where the first couple of episodes set things up and then nothing happens until episode eight. And it was more enjoyable for me than that because, A, the episodes were shorter and also, <laughs> hey, I got that reference. Yeah. But I was just a bit like, oh, come on. I, I did half wonder if you could do it in six episodes and just sharpen it up a bit. Because, yeah, because it was just like sometimes, even at what we were saying about Abby joining unit, it's really interesting. It throws a spanner into the group. But then she just kind of comes back to them and goes, oh, no, they vanished. And they go, okay, you can come back now. And I was a bit like... <laughs> bit more time to explore the fallout maybe and, and yeah like things like her relationship with osgood it just just goes and yeah i don't know if you don't know doctor who i don't know what you'd have made of like hey do you remember this reporter from partners in crime yeah i wonder that's possibly more noticeable as well if you're listening to it weekly that there are episodes that don't really enhance or you know kind of progress the plot very much like you say it's uh it's kind of returning uh tv character of the week uh who then disappears probably listening to it in 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 one long go um the the, the way i did probably noticed it a little bit less yeah it's interesting i don't know if anybody would listen to that having not Um, listened to doctor who and what they would make of it i liked it. it i haven't watched it's not so long since i watched the stories to which they're referring anyway so they were relatively fresh in my mind but uh yeah i didn't for me it didn't take too much away but for the more casual listener yes it probably would have done i imagine yeah i don't think it, i don't feel like it's an entry point probably so much um but uh no yeah, and I suppose the the ways in which it, it differs from Big Finish uh, are that you it's, it's they're not established characters from from within the main characters aren't established from within any Doctor Who stories. Um, if it's Big Finish, it would be the Larry Nightingale adventures, wouldn't it? And the, uh, the, the yeah, box it. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, other journalist um, whose name escapes me, but the journalist from from Partners in Crime would get a wrong box. Penny Carter. That's it. Mm. The companion who never was. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, I like the way she's become something of a daytime drinker in the years after it happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, that element of it is nice, I think, to find out what happened to characters after after mm. the story. Um, particularly Rani from the Sarah Jane Adventures, that she's followed in Sarah Jane's footsteps and become an investigative journalist in her own right. Which I think I yes, might, might have known that from one of those lockdown things that Russell T. Davis wrote, actually. Yeah, goodbye, Sarah Jane. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're going to do a sequel to this, if they're planning for her to be in there, because that was quite a major plot thread that didn't 
really get picked up on, like the odd building that Cleo and her brother were in. And I thought the aliens that were kind of, that we saw, or they saw rather briefly at the end in the hologram were going to be like the villains of this piece, but they obviously weren't. And they kind of say, oh, well, and they just said in the last episode of what happened to Rani. So I do wonder if, there, if, if there's, you know, a vague outline for a, for a sequel with her. I know they're wanting to. I think it's um, Ella Watts was saying that it's basically um, whether it comes down to how many uh, listeners they get. If it's seen as a success, the, the, they, they've had ideas. And I think um, Charlie Craig wants to do more and things like that. But I think it literally just comes down to, um, to ears on, in uh, speakers. Yeah, in, in Doctor Who magazine, they, they, uh, they say Ella and Juno say that they're hopeful they might get a second series and they know what they want to do if there, if there are more episodes. So, yeah, maybe less sort of jumping about and, and maybe, yeah, getting like somebody like Rani in for for more episodes would be uh, would be a better way to go. It might also be down to the new regime, of course, because since this was commissioned, we've got um, uh, Bad Wolf has basically taken over, hasn't it? So mm-hmm. they might be squashing previous things for their own... Um, Output. I mean, I can imagine this is the kind of thing that RTD would love. So, and he's the man who you know made sure that Big Finish kept their license. So, true. I, yeah. I and also I, I I'm I guess because we don't quite know the deal whether they would ha- be able to stop something like this or mm-hmm. if it's just doing TV. I mean, I can imagine it's all because it, it's funny that this came out after we knew RTD was coming back because it did feel like I said earlier some like such a nod to his era. I mean, there's references to the Moffat era, you know, there's Madame Vastra and, and Osgood, as we talked about, but particularly early on, there's so many RTD references that if you told me, oh, actually, RTD had commissioned this, uh, I, I would I would have believed you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose, and, and although it's kind of a 13th Doctor story, <laughs> you've uh, you've only got, like, fleeting references. One of the characters being from Sheffield and, and living near... Yaz's family. Yaz, Yaz's family, yes. Sorry. Yaz's family. And, and Rose used to babysit Cleo, so it's, it's very incestuous. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's a small world. Poor Abby up in Scotland that doesn't live near any uh, any companions. Maybe she's a descendant of Jamie. <laughs> now there's a thought. <laughs> so we've got um, all the original actors are back other than Madame Vastra. Yes. Which sort of works in oh, the story because you because you don't recognise her when she's doing the the meeting the requiem meeting. So uh, I think mm. if it if it had been the original actor, you would immediately have picked up on that potentially and known who it was. So it does come as more of a surprise when she turns up in the story. Yes, that did um, confuse me a bit. That episode where. Um because the last thing she says is, I'm coming to get you. And I thought, mm. is it the wire? You know. Right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when she was revealed as... It's very rescuing kind of way. And who knew Silurians lived so long, though? Because, I mean, she must be a couple of hundred years. I mean, I know she's millions of years old, but, I mean, she must... Um, she was from living from the Victorian times. I suppose we could rationalise that her voice has been affected by age, but it was a very different performance from what we're used to from Madame Vastra, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Yeah. 
perhaps they just put herself in stasis. They do that, don't they? Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I didn't feel, you know, Madame Basta was too far off what I remembered. I think I was a little bit surprised how quickly she, she seemed to be like, well, we're going to have to kill the doctor. And I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> That's a bit quick? I mean, you know, given their relationship and what the character's been like, it was it was a little bit of a, oh, okay. <laughs> Is that your first solution? <laughs> yeah, it's odd that the doctor doesn't visit Madame Vastra in the modern day, that she only visits her in Victorian times, isn't it? Can you blame her if, 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 if this is what Vastra's like when she's like, probably going to kill you? <laughs> well, she's moved into the sewers now, so that's not exactly uh, <laughs> an inviting prospect. Nice place for a cup of tea, is it? I thought that was a temporary measure while the ghosts were around. Did you did you think she'd move down there permanently? Well, she's London she rental prices, you know. <laughs> Didn't she? So, <laughs> yeah, and I suppose uh, she's also got her new companion. So who knows? Um, which, uh, again, I was reading the Doctor Who magazine interview that originally they intended to be K nine, uh, but uh, oh. it doesn't quite say why they didn't use K nine. Whether they couldn't get the rights or John Leeson wasn't available, but uh, instead we get Floater. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> a Peter Sinner jar. That was certainly signposted because that could have been a joint um, babe on the uh, drinks game. <laughs> I pictured him a bit like um, the the one from Blake Seven. There's like an early Blake Seven episode. Um, I can't oh yes, yeah, the web. The web. <laughs> the web. I, I don't know all the. I've only uh, um, watched them once so far, um, and just the first two series. But uh, yeah, okay, not good with the episode titles. But yeah, that's uh, that alien that's kind of uh, just floating there in the jar. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Morlock. Yeah, who um, again? That that feels as well like the uh, the intention for another series that that floater goes to live with Cleo. Very much. Just the sentence floater. Definitely not just uh, Cleo's family at Fountain. No, no, really, really isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say I wasn't terribly... I didn't like that aspect of it. It was like just Basil Exposition just turned up to explain the plot. And I did lose my way a bit um, on it towards the end. I liked the last episode because Jodie finally turned up. I mean, I enjoyed her being in it, but I was a slightly um, anticlimactic at the end. I thought just to have this um, jar turn up and explain the story. Yeah, it was like you said, a bit of you know, fetus in the jar, exposition in the jar. Um, was am I right in thinking that Jodie would have recorded this after her regeneration episode, after the centenary special? Because I'm sure I saw something about her reprising the role for this. Generally, no idea. I think I read that as well. Yeah, and I think some of the publicity photos, um, you can see she's sort of visibly pregnant as well, mm-hmm. um, which uh, we would put it after the the recording, I suppose. So hopefully she's got a taste for audio on the back of this. <laughs> Which is why I recorded it, so I could add it to my collection of recorded <laughs> doctors. Yeah. It was a bit like having the war games, though, as a Dr. Light story. Because, I mean, some episodes she didn't appear at all, but quite a few episodes she didn't appear at all, and occasionally she does have a line. I just thought it was ironic that they put a trailer out and she was in the trailer more than most of the episodes. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was kind of a selling point, wasn't it? It's, it's, it's I suppose it's kind of the the class school of uh, no, no pun intended, but the class school of spin-offs, isn't it? Where it's it's you know not about any established characters from from within Doctor Who, and then um, yeah, they can but but still trying to sell it on the Doctor Who connection and the Doctor making a brief cameo. But the redacted did feel more like Doctor Who than Class did, I think. That was yeah. Um, it felt yeah. more connected yeah. to it, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Class was much closer to Buffy in a lot of ways, wasn't it? And then the the ultimate kind of uh, explanation of what's going on reminded me of the Dying Days. And if you remember the Dying Days. But I don't have a copy of it, unfortunately. But when they put it on the BBC website a few years ago um, and sort of serialised it chapter by chapter, I read it then. But if I remember rightly, some some aliens have sort of sprayed people with a, a pheromone uh, so that other people can no longer see them. Okay. If that sounds familiar. And that kind of reminded me of this, that these people haven't actually disappeared. They're just, they're still there, but you can't see them because... The virus stops you. Hmm. And it also presumably stops you reading the notes and just erases records too. I think I've actually had that in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Not being able to be seen by anybody for quite a long period of time. um, That's an interesting idea. It didn't Um, quite make sense with the Queen Victoria thing. Oh, yes. I like that. Yes. um, Somehow she just... She just went missing, but you know, they knew she should have existed, but they had no memory of her. Yes, that was so. She was the lost queen. I like that. Presumably, we'd we'd have lost Dickens and Nero and practically everybody else as well. So, (laughs) history books would have been very voided by the time they'd finished. Yeah, that that's that part of it. I like that idea about the lost queen, but then it didn't it didn't really make sense to me in line with the the virus of, of. people disappearing and, and being forgotten about. Because the I think it statu- stops you perceiving them, though, doesn't it? So the, nobody's actually vanished. You just you don't perceive them anymore. Is that not... That's what I read it, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, but I suppose everyone then had that shared uh, history of the lost queen. That, you know, how, how did everybody end up with the same uh, history lesson that they thought they'd learned in school? I suppose history books were written by people who no longer perceived them. Yeah, and I suppose it's sort of shared delusion that everyone, because it's the psychic virus, everyone does have the same then shared perception of not being able to have seen the same sign, the new sign on the theatre and so on. Do you think it's a shame that they never blew the virus up to man's size? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it looked like a prawn. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or maybe this one could be like a lobster or something, you know, just carry on the, crust- the crustacean virus theme. <laughs> yeah, I do think that's a huge shame. Uh, interesting as well, that from, from reading the article in the magazine, that they you know, started writing in 2019 before the whole world was beset by a virus. Um <laughs> I think listening to it, I, I kind of thought that it was, you know, reflecting events rather than predicting them. Imagine if we'd been able to cure COVID by playing our podcasts at people very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> if I do that now, I'm a, me- I'm a menace and a trouble. People are like, stop it. But, you know, it's nice to listen to something where a podcast saves the world. Definitely. Play it yeah. to my patients yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> 
What did we think of the incidental music? I thought that a lot of it was very, very beautiful. I loved it, mm. yeah. I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah no, I enjoyed it. It was a nice change to have a different theme as well. I thought that was quite uh, quite good as well. Sort of mm. kept it separate from the main show, yet it was still sort of Doctor Who. I, sort of, I really like that. Yeah, and there's a sort of little piano mo- motif in parts of it as well that was that was quite nice. Greyhound leader to trap one. Emergency alert to all radar stations. There is a criticism of this. I was quite surprised that Big Finish writers had written a lot of this because there was an awful lot of, oh, look at that, people coming through the window when the other person can plainly see it. I was, yeah, I did think it was a lot of sort of like describing stuff where not terribly subtly, especially towards the end with the ghosts. Like, oh, look, they're coming in. You think, yeah, you'd see that if you stood next to them. So. Isn't that it's in tribute to Chris Chibnall's current <laughs> style of writing where everyone narrates what's happening on screen anyway? It kind of fits in quite smoothly, I feel. <laughs> you just beat me to it. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, he's making them jump overboard. Yes, thank you, Yaz. We can see that. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, look, a 13th Doctor Oh, look, story. we're 10 floors up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how I've been living with, uh, yeah, I've been living with my brother all this time. I shall now tell him how I met my best friends at university. You think, yeah, you'd probably have discussed that previously. I don't have got, I hated the first 10 minutes. I thought I was really going to loathe it. I thought this is like how a professional writer sort of like thinks podcasts actually are. Then... <laughs> By the end of the episode, it totally won me over, and I really enjoyed it then. I have to say, I enjoyed it more in episodes weekly. For this podcast, I've listened to it all in one go. I didn't quite like it as much, especially towards the end. I thought it was got a bit... um, Probably because I knew what was going to happen. I thought in the end it was a bit like Flux in so much. The speculation about what was happening was probably more entertaining than the actual revelation at the end. I thought it was interesting, you know, Podcasts are actually becoming plot devices now. So I've recently started watching Only Murders in the Building as well, and they've got a <laughs> true crime podcast. And so it's uh, we're, we're breaking into the real world gradually, bit by bit. And Doctor Who podcast saves the world. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, because they, they mention Clive from, from Rose, don't they? Um, and that felt yeah. like quite a fitting thing because uh, you know the 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 Doctor within the Doctor universe was his kind of uh, passion as well and his his interest and hobby. So uh, they felt the sort of spiritual successors to Clive in a way. And Linda, they also mentioned Linda, don't they, from from Love and Monsters? Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. are those kind of good touch points um, for for these three characters. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, it would have sounded more realistic if the first 10 minutes of the first episode had been then begun? Can you hear me? Is that, is that you? Hang on a second. I'm recording now. No, wait. Sorry. What was that sound? <laughs> yeah, they do keep saying how terrible the podcast is, but my God, I've heard worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, they are funny, they are sassy, they care about each other. It's... Yeah, I would. I'm not saying I would have subscribed to it, but I certainly wouldn't have turned it off if I found myself accidentally listening to it. I mean, I really, really liked the characters. I know um, it took a little while for people to warm to Abby, I think, but um, Shauna and Cleo, of course, really, really great characters. And um, I thought Cleo was yeah, a great it character. Travelled with the Doctor for a bit. That would have been quite fun. I'm surprised she has to travel at the end and was basically said no. I was genuinely surprised by that. But 
usually the doctor doesn't like turn people away that quickly. Yeah, it felt a bit like, oh, well, you can't because uh, you can't. And yeah. I was just like, oh, come on, she's got more personality than Yaz. Let her on board. Oh. <laughs> it's because Abby says, but what about the podcast? It's like, <laughs> I might be able to travel in time and space and have amazing adventures yes. here, but what about the podcast? <laughs> I, I hope Eric understands I would drop the real McCoy like a hot potato if the doctor turned up and like, you want to travel? I'd be like, yeah, well, actually, probably wouldn't affect our release schedule that much, but still, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it felt like a bit of a, a, a tenuous uh, excuse not to go. But. Uh, the, uh, the doctor's sort of speech at the end was uh, felt quite topical as well when she says, um, says something about um, the world is a world full of powerful liars. Mm. Um, obviously, yeah, feels mm. uh, definitely particularly relevant. Uh, and I think that is sort of uh, for Abby. That was kind of her story, wasn't it? About whether she she sort of joins unit and you know helps to keep everything secret, or you know kind of uh, continues to do the podcast and, and tries to let people know what's going on. It was re- it wasn't really clear whether they could remember the Doctor at the end or whether they were sort of was it not meant to be fading, right? Yeah, but I mean, as we said, everyone would <laughs> would remember um, the uh, the stolen Earth and the Prime Minister being assassinated on TV by Daleks and <laughs> various other things as well. I suppose that's always um, explained within Doctor Who, though, with people's capacity for self deception and uh, you know, kind of thinking that mm. things are a, a hoax or a student prank or whatever, or Darren Brown. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole fake news and the agenda and all the rest of it. I mean, a lot of people do not seem to be in touch with reality at the best of times, do they? That's true. It's it's increasingly believable, isn't it? That, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, oh, yeah. We'll get yeah. Off. yeah. There is a lot of nonsense out there. Mm-hmm. Good job we've got Doctor Who to distract us in, isn't it? Yes. More so than ever, isn't it? Certainly has been, especially um, recently. Well, it wasn't sort of unchibnal like was the fact that it was appallingly advertised. I literally didn't know anything about this until it was there was sort of like a brief mention of the Sea Devils. Yeah, there was a, like a social media release of, a, a few days before, but again, again, like you said, like a lot of marketing, it wasn't. It didn't feel particularly pushed. And um, entirely, we haven't been for that little announcement. I wouldn't know anything about it. Well, you know, Chibnall doesn't even like to admit he's making Doctor Who. He's that secretive about it. So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's another way in that it was mainly for the fans. It would have been it would have been hard for a casual listener to uh, to, to stumble across, unless you're just sort of browsing drama on the on the sounds app. On the other hand, I did download the sounds app, which I hadn't had previously. So I suppose in one way it's done its job because I now have that app on my phone, which I didn't have previously. So yeah, and there are there are a lot of good um, good documentaries and things on there. Um, some uh, some stuff I I really like. You can just come across some good stuff just by browsing on it. Greyhound trap one over. Trap one, go ahead, Greyhound. Over. I've got the mother can't act. <laughs> I thought, considering she was like, uh, Charlie Craig was like her first performance and presumably the mother was a professional, uh, professional actress, I thought, dear God, she's awful. So that was a, <laughs> it's 
like uh, somebody doing an impression of uh, EastEnders, I thought it was. Uh... The other cast members, um, Lois Chimimba, um, she she was in Trust Me, which also had Jodie Whittaker in it, of course. And um, She was in the Saranga conundrum as well, was she? Um, oh, yes, I think she may have been. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell. Would she? Mm, could well have been. And Shauna had been in um, Coronation Street and Destiny in Paradise and Grange Hill. So, wow. That's a, a good pedigree. Yeah, so I suspect those are probably a bit older a than they were playing. But, I mean, they they felt like a really good ensemble. I mean, the fact that they had a very inexperienced young actor in their midst. You know, they obviously were very generous with her because you've all got to start somewhere and... Mm-hmm. Um, did get the impression that they they were, you know, the warmth of the, that the characters are supposed to have for each other did come across very well. It isn't always so easy to achieve. Definitely, and it's good. It's really yeah. female-led cast as well. You've got very few male characters beyond. Um, you've got Cleo's brother, Larry Nightingale. Yeah, you don't you don't even meet Abby's boyfriend, do you? I think. Uh, she says oh yeah he's just gone to buy drinks or something so <laughs> he has a really rotten time and then he gets dumped on the end so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but completely driven I think by the female characters which is good yes and they are funny and intelligent and interesting and flawed and um, you do end up being very very fond of them mm-hmm. I mean, like I say with um, Cleo when she's talking with Abby on the phone after Abby has joined unit and she says, look, it's changed behaviour or nothing. And I just thought, wow, I have never had the guts to say that to somebody in my entire life. And that is something that I really should have said (laughs) to certain people at certain points. But... (laughs) You know, that was so brave. And uh, if that's what young people are really like, then I'm all for it. Yeah, a bit harsh when it was, she'd only done one thing. It wasn't like she kept ditching them for for military organisations, was it? (laughs) 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 We've all got that one friend who runs us to join the SAS. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what, uh, what I mentioned, kind of mentioned earlier. I was a little bit frustrated by that because I felt like it needs a bit more time or, mm-hmm. or set up. But because of the structure of it, it didn't necessarily get that time to, to breathe. Um, and that's probably the next fact, because Osgood just, you know, disappears out of the narrative. Literally. Yeah, I, I kind of, I think the first time I listened to it, thought that it was... The plan was that she was going to infiltrate unit to find things out and learn things and then come back and say, oh, you know, I wasn't really ditching you. It was it was a ruse, but it, it didn't play out like that. It didn't seem to, did it? No, it didn't. To get information for the podcast. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was great and it's great to do the podcast to give me a reason to listen to it all again so I enjoyed it all on the second listen as well and it was great to hear Jodie Whittaker it was great to hear the Delta Wave Augmenter which we haven't seen for a while 
<laughs> it was one of very few classic series references that wasn't it um mm, yeah they mentioned yeti briefly mm. siluran's being killed in derbyshire yeah that's yeah. true yeah which vastra of course could have uh maybe well she doesn't know it's coming does she she could have tried to intervene given that we now know she was uh she's been alive all this time during the doctor's <laughs> exile and uh I, I mean, I think on, on a personal level, I really appreciate, you know, this, I mean, this had its flaws. We've talked about that. Like, the character work is great. The plotting could be tighter. But I, I was a little bit down after Legend of the Sea Devils. I was a bit like, oh, okay, that's that's on screen. That happened. And this actually was a real pickup for me personally. It was like, oh, yeah, no, I love this program. So I'm, I'm actually quite grateful for it. It was nice to have that 10-week commitment as well. It was, yeah. Uh, especially after that one episode, well, about two this year so far, haven't we? So it was nice to have a sort of like regular who. Yeah, 10 whole weeks, so it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it would, it'd be lovely to to have this as an annual as an annual thing. Um, I would uh, would appreciate more of it. Um, I think I get kind of so used to listening to Big Finish. Um, you kind of want some behind the scenes at the at the end of it. <laughs> it kind of felt like when I because uh, I finished listening to the back five episodes again this morning, um, and yeah, whereas when you finish a big finish story, you get the um, the, the little piece of music that introduces the the interviews and, uh, <laughs> and things like that. Um, and yeah, you kind of want that now. So it's it like when Doctor Who Confidential finished, um, and I, I found that I quite missed it because it was good to get. Good to get some recollections and thoughts from the cast and crew. But we are very difficult, aren't we? Because we've got Big Finish and we've got all our DVD extras and uh, wonderful Blu-ray box sets. And uh... I, I mean, I, I look forward to the Behind the Sofa uh, special <laughs> on this whenever it's released. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, um, a lot of them are TV, TV actors, so they could, uh, could be brought into into the main show in the future potentially a little interesting extra that was completely left field and not like anything we've had before so yeah and in a year with very few episodes it is uh, it is nice to get any extra content isn't it especially from the kind of the current era yeah for me it was a new kind of drama because the characters were so young and they're all unconventional and um also on the material level, it was quite nice to be free as well because we, as fans, we spent so much money like, buying drop, buying mm-hmm. all of everything you've just mentioned. It was quite nice to have something like broadcast to us for nothing. I mean, I felt it was sort of almost young adults, mm-hmm. fiction really, because of the ages of the characters and and uh, the issues that they were talking about and so forth. But um, yeah, I I enjoyed it very much. I learnt learned some stuff from it and um i was quite intrigued it did make me feel very old on a couple of occasions they <laughs> <laughs> mm. if you haven't listened to it then um it's it's give it a go it's it's enjoyable it's good drama it's um interesting characters unconventional well-written, nice incidental music, and it's Doctor Who. Yay! Yeah, yeah, definitely worth a listen. It's uh, just, yeah, some really fun, funny stuff in there, and uh, yeah, some uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good cameos as well. Well, thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much for listening at home as well. 
Uh, join us next time for another Trap One podcast with another panel talking about something else from the world of Doctor Who. Uh, we'll see you then. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.